Welcome to Clinical Neurology Podcast where you will learn over 12 episodes how to localize a lesion in neurology based on history taking and physical examination. The podcast is meant for medical students and to make them enjoy learning neurology. Medicine, pediatrics, psychiatry, critical care, neurology residents, general practitioners and nurse practitioners will find it beneficial. Study materials and clinical resources for the podcast are available in show description and at neurologyteachingclub.com website. I am your host Dr. Krishnadas NC and let's get started. In this episode, we will discuss the clinical features of various causes of coma and the features of the different brainstem herniation syndromes. At the end of this session, we will be able to tell one the clinical features of metabolic encephalopathy. 2 the findings in structural causes of coma 3 features of various brainstem herniation syndromes metabolic coma the patients with metabolic coma have clinical features depending on the particular causative illness the depth of the coma and the comorbid illness the developmentally newer brain structures are more susceptible to metabolic coma so cortical functions like cognition are lost early while brainstem reflexes like pupillary reflex remain intact until late Similarly complex polysynaptic pathways are affected early focal neurological deficits only rarely occur in a metabolic coma focal seizures can occur in metabolic derangement like hyperglycemia and in conditions that can break down the blood brain barrier like malignant hypertension and eclampsia toxic and metabolic encephalopathies are associated with involuntary movements like tremors myoclonus and asterixis structural lesions above the tendorium Both cerebral hemispheres must be affected to cause coma. Lesions affecting the bilateral hemisphere or bilateral thalamus can cause coma. Most of these patients will have focal neurological signs. Subarachnoid hemorrhage can present with thunderclap headache and stupor. Pituitary apoplexy can also present similarly. Unilateral supratendorial lesions like ischemia, bleeding or tumors can cause coma due to their mass effect and secondary compression on diencephalon and upper brainstem structures. Two clinical syndromes can occur depending on the location of the intracranial lesion. A temporal or lateral extracerebral lesion can cause an ankle herniation, while frontal, parietal and occipital lesions cause a central herniation. Ankle or lateral herniation. In patients with lateral extraaxial mass or bleeding and those with temporal lobe mass lesions and a wide tendorial opening, ankle herniation occurs. The mesial temporal lobe, the uncus anteriorly and parahippocampus posteriorly is pushed down between the midbrain's ipsilateral side and the tendorium's free edge the herniated tissue will compress the third cranial nerve and the posterior cerebral artery downwards the earliest and first symptom is usually the progressive dilatation of the ipsilateral pupil due to the third cranial nerve compression the pupil is sluggishly reactive this stage can last for minutes to hours depending on the severity and acuteness of the development of the mass lesion Prompt recognition of this state and early surgical intervention is critical in saving the patient's life. The posterior cerebral artery compression can cause an ipsilateral occipital infarct. In the next stage, the herniated hippocampus pushes the midbrain against the thick edge of the dura on the opposite side of the tendorial opening. It produces a notch on the contralateral side of the midbrain called the Kernohan notch. The leg fibers in the cerebral peduncle are predominantly damaged by it. As the pyramidal fibers cross over at the lower medulla this will result in hemiparesis in the side of the original temporal lobe mass lesion called the Kernohan notch phenomenon if one is not aware of this phenomenon it can lead to a false localization so when a patient with hemiparesis has ipsilateral dilated pupil 
the original lesion is likely on the side of the abnormal pupil. In the next stage, the anteroposterior elongation and downward displacement of the midbrain causes tearing of paramedian perforating arteries. These vessels supply the midbrain tegmentum and the resulting infarction and hemorrhage called the Duret's hemorrhage makes recovery almost impossible. The ipsilateral dilated pupil will become a little less dilated due to the damage of the sympathetic fibers. Oculomotor palsy occurs first on the ipsilateral side and later on the opposite side. The etiology of the uncal herniation can be surgically treated in many cases. Absent brainstem reflexes and extensor posturing before the surgery is a very poor prognostic sign. Uncle herniation survivors may be left in a locked-in or persistent vegetative state. The patient may have oculomotor dysfunction, internuclear ophthalmoplegia, vertical gaze palsy, cortical blindness, and spastic limb weakness. Central herniation Frontal, parietal, and occipital mass lesions initially compress the diencephalon and subsequently involve the midbrain pons and medulla as the pressure increases. The clinical picture will be one of orderly rostrocaudal progression of the brainstem damage termed central syndrome of rostrocaudal deterioration. The pressure effect will cause the diencephalon to shift downwards and buckle over the midbrain. It is followed by flattening of the midbrain and pons in the rostrocaudal direction, resulting in elongation and rupture of the paramedian perforating arteries feeding these structures. It will result in bleeding called Duret's hemorrhage and infarction in the tegmentum of the midbrain and pons. Diencephalic stage. Impaired attention and somnolence is the earliest clinical feature. The respiratory pattern is normal, but deep sighs and yawns will occur. The pupil is small and reactive, and horizontal rowing eye movements can occur. In the late diencephalic stage, the patient cannot be aroused and chain strokes breathing occurs. Decorticate posturing can occur. Upward gaze palsy can occur due to tectal dysfunction. Plantar is bilateral extensor. Treatment at this stage can reverse the neurological dysfunction. Midbrain upper pond stage. Respiration becomes quicker. Diabetes insipidus can occur due to the stretching of the medial eminence of the hypothalamus. The pupil is mid-sized, unequal and can be pear-shaped and eccentric. The systemic release of epinephrine due to the generalized anoxia can cause transient pupillary dilatation. Vertical eye movements are restricted. Decerebrate posturing can occur. Lower pondine stage. Respiration is quick but shallow. Apneustic breathing of pontine lesion is not common in central herniation. Decerebrate rigidity decreases. Plantar bilateral extensor with the withdrawal of legs and flexion at the knee and hip. Medullary stage. In this late stage, ataxic breathing gives away to apnea. The pulse becomes irregular and there will be hypotension. Large acute supraventricular lesions and intraventricular bleeding can lead to sudden respiratory failure without the stepwise progression. False localizing signs. Supratendorial mass lesions in the clinically silent area in the temporal lobe and frontal lobe and those in the midline can produce symptoms that can mislead the observer to falsely localize the lesion to the opposite hemisphere, as in ipsilateral hemiplegia due to Kernohan's notch. These lesions can raise the intracranial pressure and produce cranialinopalsies that can falsely localize the lesion to the posterior fossa. Sixth cranialinopalsy and papilledema are the commonest false localizing signs. The 3rd, 4th, 5th, 7th and lower cranial nerve palsies can also occur. Subtendoral structural lesions Brainstem lesions can be easily localized clinically as we studied in episode 9. An extensive lesion involving the brainstem, cerebellum or 4th ventricle can cause coma. Cerebellar hemorrhage is the most typical cause. Occipital headache, vomiting and ataxia are the initial symptoms. The lesion compresses the brainstem and causes other clinical signs and coma. 
Depending on the site of the bleed inside the cerebellum, the upper brainstem or lower brainstem can get compressed. Lesions that compress the upper brainstem can cause upward transtendorial herniation of the midbrain tectum and anterior cerebellar lobule. It produces coma and midbrain signs like hyperventilation, vertical gaze palsy and fixed pupil. Lower lesions compress pons and cause pinpoint pupil and lateral gaze palsy. Lower cerebellar lesions compress the medulla producing central hypoventilation and hypotension. Tonsillar herniation Posterior fossa lesions can produce downward displacement of the cerebellar tonsil through the foramen magnum. It can cause infarction of the tonsil medulla and upper spinal cord. The infarction is caused by anoxia and circulatory dysfunction due to medullary dysfunction. It's been more than 10 months since we started our podcast. The podcast has been downloaded more than 15,000 times from over 100 countries. It is one of the top 10 international neurology podcasts according to Feedspot, the link to which is given in the show notes. It brings great joy to see all the hard work paying off and see that all of you are finding it helpful. Please continue your valuable support and share it with your friends and colleagues if you find the podcast useful. Kindly write a review and provide a rating on the Apple Podcast and Spotify. It will be helpful to improve the visibility of the podcast in these apps. The podcast now has value for value enabled and you can support the show by listening on podcasting apps that support value for value like Castomatic or Fountain. The images and schematic diagrams can also be directly seen in these apps. Thanks for listening to Clinical Neurology Podcast. Kindly subscribe and review if you found it useful. You can follow Neurology Teaching Club Instagram account for exclusive figures of this podcast and visit our website neurologyteachingclub.com for more resources. The podcast and online content are meant for medical education only and should not be used to guide clinical decision making and treatment. You can find more of this podcast on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast or wherever you get your ear candy. It's KD signing off and until we meet next time, spread knowledge.